All right, welcome back to Spirit Squared. I'm Andrew Darrington, your host. Well, tonight we have our fifth episode, and uh, we've got a lot of great content to cover, and uh, we've got a great guest. Uh, first thing first, I want to hype up Stars and Stays. They sent this nice shirt to me. Uh, there are people commenting that I need to get new shirts, and so I just sent a note out, please send me uh, more apparel, and uh, if there's anybody out there that, that wants me to hype their stuff, send it over, but Stars and Stays, they do great work. They do uh, charity work as well on their on their internet site. Um, they also have some things coming. So starsofstage.com, uh, they're going to be working with the distiller, and that's all I can say at this point uh, that's going to be their exclu exclusive provider of their uh, apparel. So big things coming from them. Uh, also big things is our guest. Um, we are going to be talking about some insurance and some, some cool new uh, – New things that are happening in the nap world. Uh, we've got Colin Fopp, who is the owner of Goosen Insurance in Tyler. Yes. Um, I was notified today that you're, you're, uh, oh boy, your, <laughs> your Goosen Insurance is in the top 15 in the nation. Yeah. A little low Tyler, Texas. So Which if, I, you, if you look at the top 1% of all the Goosehead franchises in the country, um, and it's a relatively new, you know, um, company, um, so to speak, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, there's over 3,000 operating franchises in right. the United States, um, 32 states. Um, and, yeah, we're in that top 15, so that top 1%. Uh, we were number three in the South Central United States oh. uh, last month. So had a record month. We yeah. had our previous record by $20. Yeah, hey, record's a record. But record's a record, man. Yeah. So, but it always leaves you hungry for more. And uh, it's really cool because if you look at the list of the top agencies right. in South Central, it's Dallas, it's Austin, sure. Houston. You know, and that just list keeps compiling with those large metro areas. And then here you have, you know, right there, uh, amongst the big boys, you've got uh, Tyler, Texas. Yeah, which is kind of cool. That's cool. But I think that speaks to I think it speaks to the model, but it also speaks to the the agency itself and the, the people that we had. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're in the throngs of fall, right? Football yeah. season. You're starting to feel some of the weather coming on. Oh no, it's great. Yeah, I almost debated on doing the sweatshirt with rides today because right. I got the I've got the Goose Gang. Sweatshirt, right. so we may have to hook you up with some swag. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll put, put a goose shirt in the rotation. I'm surprised that your shirt's not burnt orange. Ah, man, listen, uh, there is a version of it, and this is this is a classic. Like right. this particular one, because it says "Making Insurance Sexy." Right, I saw it on the back. Yeah, um, is a collector's item at this point. Oh wow! It was a it's like a first edition. They don't make them. Anymore. Okay. Um, but there is one that's burnt orange. I've got yeah. the eye on, and I'm trying to secure it. I'm gonna have to do a lot of favors. Right. Uh, hey, after a big win, pretty yeah. excited about this season. I am. I actually had a bet with the Goosehead Agency owner that's in Arkansas, but is a huge Alabama. Okay. Okay. And we actually bet. A bottle of whiskey. Oh, okay. So I had to send him a Texas whiskey if, uh, if Alabama won. That's he's going to send me an Alabama whiskey. Okay. If Texas wins, I don't know what I'm going to get because I don't know about any <laughs> Alabama whiskeys at like, um, right. I really don't. I knew what I was going to send him. It was going to be a nice pot still balconies. Right. Uh, just something super <laughs> cheap, you know, like here, enjoy. Right. I hope you don't choke on it. Yeah. Uh, like $33 worth of whiskey. If I know anything about Steve Wilson, shout out Steve Wilson. Um, if I know anything about him, I'm probably going to get, I hope it's from like King Paws Still or something. Well, right, that, right. You know, but I have a deal and it's going to be some, uh, some really classic Alabama. With the wheat stick hanging out. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, uh, Colin and I are drinking a whole force 
Old Forster, uh, 117 series. Uh, it's only distributed in Kentucky. I found a way to get it to Texas. Um, they offered in these 375s because the barrel yield is pretty low. Uh, this one's 98 proof. Uh, Drake's pretty good, um, pretty smooth. So um, just wanted to make sure that you guys knew what was in our glass. Um, I heard you have a room dedicated. I do. To the long yeah. So I know that you've been talking to me. <laughs> yeah, like who's been to my house? Yeah. I have it. I have it. Uh, well, you'll have to come check it out. I'll do my dig. Don't want to show interest in my dig. Absolutely. Um, and then if you're not a Texas fan, don't be offended by the room. Right. Um, you know, if, if you know, the Lord didn't love the Longhorns, he wouldn't have made the sunset right orange. Okay. So there's yeah. a lot of burnt orange right. in this room. Right. Um, but we, we moved into a, a new house, which is a, a real blessing at the end of March. And I actually have, there's, there's, in that guest room, right? Um, probably it was a, a big walk-in closet. Is a, a bar area. Okay. Um, so now I actually have cabinet space. Matt. Um, so rather than doing a housewarming, um, we did a stock the bar. Right. And um, I got a lot of cool stuff. It was a smart idea to invite some folks from the whiskey group. Yeah. Because their tastes are better than mine. That's right. Um, and so I got a lot of neat stuff. I uh, got the JTS Brown. I mean, there was some, some oh, yeah, some nice stuff in there. Yep. Um, got some good tequilas as well. Oh. Um, but yeah, there's. A lot of burnt orange, right? In that ring, yeah, um, cool. And and so you know, it's uh, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I know plenty of people that have uh, like OU rooms and sure Cowboys rooms and stuff like that. I had to borrow you a little bit because I did find out some some yeah. things on you. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy, nothing like some, some prior know. guests. I nothing, I didn't like some prior guests. <laughs> uh, so so, t- walk us through your obviously. Years into the business, eighteen. Yeah, I think you said. Years. So walk us back. You're you're getting out of college. Man. What were you? What were you? What were your influences? And what were you wanting to do? Yeah. Never, never wanted to do insurance. Um, my dad um, was an insurance professional for twenty eight years, um, and so you know, insurance was like my first job, like filing and dumping the trash, uh, those kind of things. Um, you know, so it was like a real stuff shirt business. To me, because I saw, you know, how dad did it, which dad's still one of the most incredible interest professionals ever. His mentorship was right. invaluable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he wore the starch white dress shirt and the the dress pants that could probably stand up on end because they had so much starch in them. Right. Um, and I was like, man, this is stuff shirt. I don't know if this is for me. And that's not really my vibe. I mean, you know, this was the guy that followed String Cheese Incident for a summer. Um, doing the hippie jam band thing at one point, you know, I look at old pictures of me and I'm like, why did my wife marry me? Like, yeah. She, she thought clearly some kind of future investment. Yeah, exactly. And what did you call him? Uh, never wanted to do, um, insurance. I thought it sounded really boring, but, um, speaking of that wife, um, you know, I met her in 2004 and I knew if I wanted to be with her, I needed to move back home. Uh, she was an ultrasound program to come out with a really good job. Uh, making more money than I was going to. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I knew if I wanted to be with her, I needed to move back home. And uh, so I was in Dallas. Okay. Um, so I was in school in Dallas. And uh, so we did the long distance thing for a year. I uh, got back here in 2005. And um, and at that point decided uh, insurance was at least a job. Right. Uh, but funny story um, on that, because insurance uh, was my first job. Um, it's now going to end up being my last job. But it was also the first job I ever got fired from. Man, um, so worked for my dad, like I said, and um, so I figured out because everything back in that day, I'm gonna really date myself here. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I was 12 years old uh, when this happened. Um, everything was on triplicate. So if somebody came in to do some insurance business, yeah. there would be there'd be three copies of it. There'd be a, a company copy, there would be a customer copy, and then a buck for the agency. 
So filing was my job. My dad had rows and rows of filing cabinets, um, just a ton of them. And because he had a lot of clients. Um, and so my job was to file those papers. And I figured out that I could do that job really quickly if I just put all of those in one file. <laughs> right. So like all those papers, I was like, okay, cool. This one's really light. You know, this folder doesn't have a lot in it. Put them in there. And so I was like, cool. So I did that for a little while. And, um, I guess that started to cause a problem in the office. And, uh, my dad's secretary, um, at the time, uh, found that file and, um, brought it to my dad and said, Hey, here's everything we've been missing. So when I got into work that day after school, um, dad said, Hey, I want you to come in here, um, sit down with me. And so I sit down in his office, he closes the door and he sits down he said, son, you're not going to understand this now, but one day this is going to be a really good lesson for you. So he opens up that file and there's that giant stack of papers at this point, probably a week's worth of filing in this thing. And he said, listen, um, you know, we have these, we keep these copies cause we need to refer back to them. And, and you know, Lisa has been looking for these all week. Um, we put us in a really bad spot. Um, so I just want to let you know, you know, there's no shortcuts in life. There's no shortcuts in business, um, but we're no longer going to need your services here. Well, I was like, wow, wait, hang on a second. I'm 12. I'm like, am I fighting right now? Are you fighting your son? You're firing me? Uh, and he said, yeah, um, you know, you just can't take shortcuts. And unfortunately, you took a big one and it put us in a bad spot. And so we're just not going to need your services here. Um, so it's really funny because when I was, you know, fast forward now to, you know, 2005 and I'm moving back and I need a job. But that says, well, look, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, but, you know, I know you need a job. So why don't you come work with me at the insurance agency? And I said, wait a minute. Am I rehirable? You better very solid HR. Listen, that stuck with me. And, you know, one of the other things he always said was don't quit a job before you get a job. So I've consistently worked from the time I wanted to drive. I was about 15 years old. I, I worked in high school. I worked through college. Um, so instilled a really good work ethic in me, but I just thought that was really funny that like, you know, the life comes full circle sometimes. Sure. Um, I was like, man, I can't believe I'm uh, about to go back to work here at the insurance agency. But you know, my misconception about insurance was that it was just really boring and stuff. Sure. But my dad empowered me to do it my way. Yeah. Um, but also having his experience in the office with me was super valuable because there is absolutely no substitute, you know, for experience in the insurance business. Sure. I bet. And so having, his knowledge base next door to me uh, for the first eight years of my career was just super valuable um, because there's stuff comes up all oh uh, different scenarios, different claims. Is this covered? Is it not? I'm like, uh, you know, policy set in two pages. So having him, you know, next to me was just really valuable. Yeah, good. And and so you know, I I figured out real quickly though that in insurance, it's not just sales. Um, which I was a theater kid, you know, growing up you know, had the big personality. So like sales came naturally to me. Um, but you can do a lot, you can do a lot of hats. Um, you really need to be a private investigator yeah. um, sometimes because, um, you know, buyers are liars. <laughs> they get a lot of chases, right? They'll tell you, you never had any tickets or accidents. And then you run the MBR and you're like, oh, that's not true. Uh, um, that was soft. MBR. MBR. Yeah. Motor vehicle report. Okay. MBR. MBR. Yes. Sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Not I sound like the S and everything. Well, they usually like never understand what you maybe something. So yeah. sorry if I startled you, but no. I just want to make sure that the folks that are viewing to yeah. kind of get the full. I'm trying not to use uh, it's too, much jargon, okay. too much jargon during this, but um, you get to be that private investigator. You get to do sales. Um, but you know, like the satisfying part, obviously, is saving people money. Um, you know, but you also are dealing with people when they're, you know, in some of their worst moments, right? Like something's happened in their home, yeah. you know, their most valuable possession. 
Um, they've had an auto accident. Um, you know, there's just different things that come up um, that give you, you know, the ability to actually, you know, change a situation for someone. Um, obviously, if you've done a good job, you've given them the protection that they need, but right. you can take a negative situation, you know, and try and make it more positive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had, I had a situation like that this week where a mother lost her son and that son had a possession that she wanted back. She was in Virginia. We were able to coordinate some things, get the item back to her. Yeah. Um, and uh, you could hear the breath she took. It was like, yes. you can't, it's an unmistakable breath that you hear from someone that's relieved. All of a sudden, they were worried about it for 12 to 14, 18 hours, two days, three days. They talked to friends about it. And bam, here it is. Agonized. And you, and you shouldered it. And yeah. Took it back. Um, that so, was the best feeling. It really so you're eight years with your dad. Yep. Um, you see a bunch of situations. You have a tree of ton of stories, but mm-hmm. you, you decide to take the plunge to buy yeah. your own agency, correct? Yeah. Um, with his blessing and encouragement, you know, the, the story of how I started with Goosehead is actually really cool. And the Goosehead story overall is, is really cool. But, um, you know, we saw some things. Dad was with a captive carrier, right? You know, you've got the state farms, the farmers, the all states, the right. there, where the agent works for the carrier. Yes. Um, we saw some things happening, you know, with the captive carrier that, you know, he'd been partnered with for 20 plus years. Sure. At that point, we saw some things happening that we just were like, you know, man, there's got to be a better way here. Um, you know, in 2008, we go into the recession and um every dollar matters yeah i mean you only got one option for people when you're captive and um you know it got to be really tough because the clients that were leaving you know they weren't leaving for service um they weren't leaving based on claims you know they were leaving based on price Mm -hmm. and it's really tough when you're a captive i mean you're you're forced you know to it's almost a crisis of conscious really because it's like look I don't have any other options for you. So our options are we cut your coverage, we raise your deductibles and, and, and ship more of the burden back to you right. to save you temporarily, really, on insurance. Um, you know, we have to watch you walk out the door. Um, and it was the clients that have been with them 20 plus years that were walk, walking out the door. Yeah. Right? And it was big money, you know, hundreds of dollars a month. And in that time period, I mean, even now, obviously, like that's just a lot for anybody to bear. Sure. You know? They can love you all day, um, but if somebody can save them $2,000 a year on insurance, they're yeah. they're gone. And that's a business decision, right? We understood that. But we thought, you know, how do we address this? And and dad's idea was, look, you need to be in a choice model, right? We need to we need to go independent and do something independently for you, um, you know, because I just, I don't know that this is the future, you know, that captive model. And so it's really funny because we tossed that around for a while, Um you know, a story I like to tell is that you said came for dad and they left with me. Uh, well, their, okay. It was like their parting gift. Um, but in reality, you know, the company trends young. And so I think it was really the best fit. But, um, you know, here come these two gals um, from you said and, and they walk into dad's office one day and I'm like, okay, I don't even know what a goose said. <laughs> We'd love it. Yeah. What are we doing? Then we've looked at other, you know, IAs, independent agencies, sure. you know, the conglomerates, you know, the bright waves of the world, TWFG and some of these other companies that you can partner with. And it, it makes it easier to start an independent agency. Sure. We'd looked at those. We'd never heard of you said, um, but they brought in two absolute all-stars to talk to us about the opportunity, but I just couldn't get over the name. I was like, this is such a stupid name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I left halfway through that meeting. Um, but my dad stayed and listened to what they had to say. And when I came into work the next day, he's like, look, you know, really, I think we need to kind of see what this is about. Um, you know, they asked us to go visit. They, at that time, they'd only had had a handful of agencies launch. 
Um, and so we went and visited um, a couple of, of their other agencies, um, you know, that already launched. Went and visited their executive team at their corporate office. And, you know, listen, my dad just said to me one day, it said, you know, honestly, I don't want you to inherit something that's in a dying model. If these captive models weren't so well-funded and well-advertised, they cannot, they couldn't compete in this marketplace. If I had to start all over, which is what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to start from scratch. Yeah. This is who I would do it with. Because he was going to hand you the book of business. You know, they had a really good transition plan. Yeah. Uh, that captive, that captive model had a good failing transition plan. So that was, my thought was, is I would just like, I'll go pick up a couple of carriers. I'll move down the hall at the office. Sure. When they're ready to leave this company, you know, I'll offer these two and we don't have to just lose them completely. Um, but the goosehead model was, Hey, look, you gotta have a storefront. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything special, but it has to be a physical space and, and we need, you know, you to actually run this. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think it was just something that we really carefully considered. And he said, look, I just really think this is what you should do. And, and so I jumped with both feet in, um, the goosehead story is really interesting. I'm going to, yeah, please, please. So um, the Goosehead model is is really interesting how they came about. It's actually really cool. So um, the founders of the company, Mark and Robin Jones. Uh, Robin, Mark was working for Bain & Company. He was an executive. Um, and so he was doing very well. His wife, Robin, they got, you know, several kiddos. And, um, you know, she had investment properties. And she just was not getting good service on her insurance policies. And she just said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And she told Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch an insurance agency. And what she realized really quickly was like, hey, if we surround this with really good peripheral services, um, you know, this is something that's scalable. Right. And so when Goosehead started, um, you know, it was just, they had a corporate office. It was agents in a call center, um, but they had a really amazing service team. Um, you know, net promoter scores on these on this service team is higher than Ritz Carlton and Apple, right? They just have really good people to service the book. Um, and they thought, you know what, with our portfolio and this service piece, you know, we're really missing the mark by not franchising this. Um, and so that's when they started, you know, looking at agencies that could benefit from that. Most of them were captive agencies. And so that's how they found us, um, was they wanted their first agency in East Texas. Um, they only had, you know, 10 at the time I was the 12th agency to launch. So I launched my Goosehead agency in January of 2013. Wow. Um, so a little over 10 years. Um, the first in East Texas and, um, there's something to be said, uh, for being the first in the market, right. You really get to establish yourself, but more, I had to, had to brand, yeah. you know, and like, um, yeah, that's not, that's not easy. Not easy to brand something, especially with the name Goosehead. Right. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was so silly. And I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the story. Cause I think it's a great story. People are like, Goosehead, like, where did that come from? Yeah. They, oh, they were into hunting. I was about to follow you out. You glossed over it. Listen. My dad, when we go up to the um, corporate office to sign my contract, where's uh, where's the office? Yes, the at that time it was in Los Colinas. Okay, now it's in Westlake. Okay, it's in the DFW area. Um, we go up there, and there's a goose call outside the boardroom up there, and so we sign the contract. Dad goes out, and you know he's an avid hunter, and so he grabs that goose call and he blows that goose call. And I mean, in this area. You know, it's a pretty combined space. Yeah. And he really, he, he knew that was all. Yeah. And so, like, you had people coming out from the service floor. You had people coming out of the executive offices. Like, what is going on? Like, nobody had ever blown the goose ball. Um, so we were forever synonymous with that. Like, anytime I ever went up to the corporate office, they're like, how'd your dad do that? Everybody loved it. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, but, you know, it's just, uh, it just really cool. Um, 
you know, to have that choice model, it, it helped us grow and scale sure. um, much more quickly. Yeah. Um, and then having, you know, a lot of that taken off of your plate, right. um, you know, because of the service piece of it, it yeah. lets you focus on what you do really well. Right. And, and, you know, when I was at the captive agency, we, we were forced to service exceptionally right. on our own. Otherwise they had no real reason to stay. Um, and you know, if you set that takes that off your plate and they have people that do it way better than I ever could have done it. And it let me stay focused on sales, you yeah. know, which is really just a terrible. Um, but the name, I circle back to that. So, uh, Mark and Robin, they've got several kiddos, their first grandchild, um, when she was born, name's Lucy. Mm -hmm. Um, she came out goose feathered hair. Um, they called her Lucy Goosey. That was her nickname was Lucy Goosey. Right. And that just evolved into them calling her Goosehead. Goosehead yeah. was her nickname. Okay. So when I go into a place and I say I'm with Goosehead Insurance and they know State Farm, they know Farmers, they know Allstate, but they never heard of Goosehead. So when I'm branding, it's like, I'm with Goosehead Insurance. They're like, okay, hang on. You got to tell me that story. Yeah. So what I thought was going to be an obstacle with the name ended up being an actual icebreaker. Right. Like I'd have to go in and to tell that story. When I say it's a family name, they're like, okay, you got to tell the story of how you said becomes a family name. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, nickname of one of the granddaughters, like, you know, and, and it just, it kind of helps you break the ice and, and then talk about your point of difference, tell them about how we're different than a captive agency yeah. um, based on choice and based on being hyper-focused, mostly in the real estate market. Um, so the majority of our referrals come from our real estate partners, um, on mortgage professionals, yes. title, financial advisors, um, you know, all, you know, are really good, warm with folks, um, because people have that immediate need. Um, and then we write homeowners insurance or review their entire portfolio with auto and umbrella flood insurance and all the fun stuff to the jet skis and the boats and uh, travel trailers and motorhomes and all. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, I had a question in there, but you, yeah, I did. I I put all of that at you. Yeah, just one eating spoon. Yeah, that's that's uh, no. I, I know. I got. I know. We'll tell his story a lot. Yeah, I know. I can tell. I can tell really well too. Um, so I've been to your office now. Yeah, nice office. Well, have this modern little, real sleek and just yeah, very linear. I mean, it's an awesome office. And and by the way, when people were asking me uh, who was going to be on the podcast, I was you know I told them who. Who was, and if they knew who you were, then obviously they oh yeah, Colin, great guy, this, that, and the other. Um, but if they didn't know, then I would tell them, well, they do said insurance. And they're like, huh? And yeah. so still earlier, story to be real. earlier this week, I called up your office. I didn't talk to you. Yeah. Talked to one of your agents yeah. and uh, went through the process of, of being quoted. And uh, I liken it to, uh, and I, and, Pardon me sure. if this comes across no. the wrong way, but I think this is the way it works. Is if you're if you wanted to book a flight with American Airlines, you just book with American Airlines, right? And then you don't know if you're saving more by going to Southwest or going to Delta or going to uh, Sun Country if you're flying overseas. And and with your company, it, it, I liken it to like Travelocity or Kayak, yeah, or where you're you're the one stop shop. Right. You're the face that I'm talking to that's going to help me pick the best policy, and you're gonna you're gonna do the legwork for me right. with my circumstances and what I want to cover and and yeah. all the X and O's, and then you you write the policy that fits yeah. my best need with the best care. That's perfect. Makes it. That's a great. Okay. That's that's a great way to frame it. I mean, you know, we we do because we don't work for the insurance carriers. We have a responsibility to write good business, right? You know, with our our carrier partners. 
but our ultimate responsibility is to our clients and our partners, right? Sure. Um, and, and so it's 100% that way. So I mean, we've got 80 plus carriers in our portfolio. We serve a broad segment of the market. We got a lot of boxes, you know, and and I keep going back to captive agencies, but they expect everybody to fit in, in the same size box, right? And it, um, it's just nice to have boxes. Um, so, you know, basically our process is, is that, you know, we figure out what's important to you, right? Um, and then we don't sell it to you, we help you buy it. So we go, we go to our portfolio, we go to our market, we address the concerns, we help manage your risk, um, and then we make recommendations based on our knowledge and our experience, right? So I think what the industry wants you to do is focus on price alone. Right. Like, I mean, we're all inundated with a ton of insurance advertisements, and nine times out of 10, those insurance advertisements are based on price, right? Discount double checks, we can save you, 15 minutes will save you this much, you know, on your auto insurance, right? But without an advisor, um, a lot of times you're just left to assume that that good price is giving you some kind of good policy. Right. Um, and in, listen, companies have made it so easy to shop online, um, you know, to call an 800 number and, you know, they're, they're going to give you their best overall price, but they're not having coverage discussions in most cases, right? Um, and so, you know, we stay protection focused, um, but usually by virtue of our robust portfolio, we can give you the best of both worlds. I right? can give you a competitive rate while still making sure that you have the protection that you deserve or that you desire. Um, and so that's why I say we help you buy it. Um, you know, but without, I, honestly, like I think companies in a lot of cases just rely on people's ignorance. Um, yeah. especially when you shop online, you don't realize what you're giving up in a lot of cases, especially with homeowners insurance or like auto insurance. Like why is uninsured motorist important? Why is personal injury protection important? You know, how much would roadside or rental have been um, with homeowners insurance? Like, you know, you got water discharge, but do you have sewer and drain backup coverage? Do you have foundation water damage protection? Do you have seepage and leakage? Um, are they paying you forward placement cost on your roof? Um, you know, we are 100% in the midst of statistically the hardest market, hardest insurance market in the last 40 years. So in a soft market, carriers have, you know, uh, expanded eligibility, they have really loose underwriting guidelines. Their pricing reflects their desire to absorb business. Um, that sounds like pre-2008. Yeah, I don't know, like pre-2008 and, and really right loans for, you know, maybe the pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a part of the story of how we got into this hard market and why it's the hardest I've ever seen, certainly. And, and when you say it hard, what does that mean? Yeah, so, so a hard market as opposed to that soft market where everybody wants to gobble up business in a hard market Profitability is down, um, and so carriers restrict their guidelines. They tighten their belt on underwriting. They focus more on condition, um, credit profiling. Um, you know, a lot of carriers right now are just pumping the brakes on new business. Um, even some of the carriers in our portfolio have said, hey, unless it fits a certain, you know, market, we don't want it. Um, so, again, it's great to be in that choice model uh, because of that. Um, but, you know, it's Tobin provided the perfect storm for us. Um, so, you know, in 2020, when all of that went down, you know, people were home more often. So they weren't having, you know, water losses were being caught quickly. Incidences of theft went down because people were home. Um, you didn't see the same number of fires and things like that. On auto insurance side of it, that was the property side. On the auto side, people weren't driving. Um, and so carriers' profitability went through the roof. I mean, to the point where they were getting like rebates and givebacks on the auto insurance side of things. Um, 
And so carriers started looking at that forecast. What does this look like coming out of COVID? Um, and they missed the mark badly. They really thought that coming out of COVID, um, that work from home would be much more common, that we would stay off the roads, wouldn't be driving as much. Um, people were still going to be home, you know, pretty often. And instead of that, we came out of COVID and people were like, I'm back on the road and I'm going back to work in a lot of cases. Right. And so what we saw was, um, you know, they took a, a huge hit based on, you know, their loss force forecast, um, profitability goes, you know, into a nosedive because of that. And then you also had the labor market have a labor shortage. You've got material shortages as well, which made the cost of reconstruction cost of replacing parts and things like that, much more expensive for carriers. Yep. And then to provide the absolute tsunami over the last 18 to 24 months, reinsurance programs, which is the insurance that insurance companies buy on themselves, right, right. maintain a certain financial stability, their ability to pay a large amount of claims at once if we have a disaster. Those reinsurance costs went up 15 to 70%. Mm -hmm. So you and I are at the bottom of this mountain right. when it comes to trickle down costs on insurance. So if Achilles absorbs more costs for their insurance, who pays for that? You and I do as the policy folks. Um, if their profitability goes down and their losses go up, we're cooling our risk with people. We might not be having losses, but, you know, a lot of our friends and family are. And so, you know, unfortunately, we're pulling that risk. And so that's what ends up happening is, is that you just got all of these factors that have slammed together where carriers have had to make huge movements in rate in order to, you know, attain some type of profitability and really pump the brakes on what they're riding. Um, so... We're in the midst of this hard market. If there's a silver lining in this, I mean, this is the third hard market that I've seen in my 18 years. This is the hardest one for sure, but it almost always ends up coming out on the other side with a solid market. Right. Um, so economic factors will change. Um, you know, you'll start to see some things loosen up and soften. Um, they'll tell you though. What is it? Yeah. What are the triggers? Like, what are some things that you see in your head? Everything, everything that we're seeing right now basically says that um, the market will start to soften at the end of 2024. But yeah. So what happens in November of 2024? The election. You got an election, right? Yep. Um, so just kind of like you see gas prices go down pre-election time, you know. But do you think that it's going to matter? In the, in, at the end of 2024, it doesn't matter what party takes control or who ends up in office. The first two years will be soft. You know, theoretically, yes, that's what should happen. Yeah. You can see statistically that's what's happened in the past. You know, obviously, they're not going to put this out there on media, but the thought is, is that if you get, you know, an administration that's more business friendly, yeah, um, that that will help. Sure. That'll help carriers go, okay, we at least have four years of this. Right. Um, we got uh, three. Yeah. Or two. Right. You know, if, if, the, if the House doesn't, you know, they, they win the House and it, they, exactly. you know, they're trying you to get these checks and balances. Correct. Always end up. You know, you correct one way, then you correct. Seems like we're impeach friendly now. You know, it's true. <laughs> That's the absolute truth. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's there's an ebb and a flow uh, to every market. I've seen it before. So you know, this won't last forever. Sure. We all feel the pain at like the worst time possible. I mean, you know, everything else is more expensive, right? Sure. Now too. Yep. And so you know, we get those calls. I mean, we spend about half our day, you know, remarketing our own book of business. You know, because we do have carriers that we can shift our clients to. You know, but we are also counseling clients like, look, understand what you're getting up. We're seeing some bad actors, you know, out there in, in the market right now. I, the, the difference between, you know, rates is not as vast as it used to be. Everybody's come so close to center on rates. 
that unfortunately a lot of insurance agents, I call myself an insurance professional, a lot of insurance agents are cheating will win, right? Um, so they're not having good coverage discussions. They're relying on their client's ignorance. So what you're saying is they're selling the price versus maybe the coverage or deductible is yeah. stuff like that. I think, yeah, we've hide that. And then when an event happens, yeah. then you may have saved $20 a month, but here's a $5,000 deductible. Yeah. And it, had you covered yourself well, better, yes, the pain would have been a little bit more month to month, but you got a $1,000 or, you know, $2,500 or whatever. You, Exactly. Just shifting. Ultimately, they shift it, you know, onto the back of the consumers and, and people just don't really realize what they're giving up yeah. or a little bit of money, right? Like have a couple of less Starbucks, right? you know, and have the better protection, especially when it comes to your home, which is going to be most people's most valuable possession. Right. Like insurance is not a great place, you know, to cut expense when it comes to your home. Right. Right. Um, there's better ways to do that. There's other ways to save. Um but they're just relying on people not, you know, realizing that, that that deductible is 2% or that it has a roof schedule where it doesn't pay full replacement costs right. on the roof anymore. And so, you know, the average clay frequency in Texas for wind and hail is every 6.7 years. Wow. So, huh. you know, the way we equate that in a lot of cases is, okay, like how much is that saving you annually in your policy? And then what's the difference in your deductible? How many years do you have to go without a claim for that to make sense? Because yes, it saves you money this year and maybe for the next four or five years. But if you have to make that claim in six or seven years, did it end up actually saving you any money? And the answer in most cases is no. Um, so when we can get it, because some carriers are just going, hey, 2% wind hail, that's our minimum here in the hail belt of North Texas. Um, you know, they're just saying, hey, look, that's our, our minimum. Um, but if it's available, we're, we're quoting that, that 1% deductible. I mean, I remember... You know, when my dad was writing $500 deductibles, like that was common, you know, back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen a, a flat. Well, you have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and even that we're seeing like people are going to a $1,000 deductible. But, you know, that's another thing is the median repair cost on an auto plane is like 800% of what it was pre-COVID. So if you look at 2019 to 2023 in a four-year period, that median repair cost on auto, on an auto plane is like 800% of what it was. And what? most of that, um, obviously labor and material goes into it, but most of that is the technology and on vehicles, right? Like it's made us safer, but now you can't have a fender bender anymore right. and go down to AutoZone and buy a bumper or whatever, right? Like, you know, now there's cameras and sensors, all these other things. I'm going to tell a little story of my wife. Yeah, sure. Real quick, right? So this kind of gives you some relativity to the market. Um, so she backs out of the garage. She hangs the mirror um, on the side of the garage, right? Um, so it's broken. You know, I kind of piece it all back together as best I can. She can't even ride it through a car wash. So, well, all right, what does this cost, cost to get it fixed? Let's weigh it against our deductible. Do we even want to make a claim? Sure. And so she takes it to the shop. And because of the technology in that mirror, it's a $1,300 mirror. She hung the mirror on the garage wall. It's $1,300. Right. Like that's insanity to me when I think about that. And the guy's like, hey, look, just be glad she didn't scrape the paint. Right. It's on the outside of it. Out of uh, She did hit the paint. It's like another certain amount of paint hours and those kind of things. And it's like $1,700, $1,800 um, to do that mirror. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Uh, um, you know, when you think about those things. Yeah, I have a buddy of mine that uh, has a diesel truck and he, he's having to get some repairs done. And just to get it, you know, compliant. Uh, I don't know a lot about diesels, but I know that you have to get the engine charged up a certain amount every so often. And and then they found some other things, $10,000. Yeah. 
it's like you can't do it. I mean, people can't do that. Now, it almost makes you sick to think about it and then to think about like, okay, you know, if you decide like, hey, you can pay your car off, you know, a lot of people weigh right now, do I drop the comprehensive yeah. collision coverage or the OTC and the collision coverage um, to save some bucks? Um, but if anybody shopped for even a used car in the last few years, like you realize like it's expensive to go replace your ride. Yeah. Um, so unless you just have, you know, the financial means or the savings to go pay cash for something, yeah. it is still nice in most cases. You look at the value of the vehicle and go, okay, here's what you're paying to cover it, you know, for full coverage, you know, yeah. cover the value of the vehicle with cop and collision and, and then weigh that against the value of the vehicle. It still makes sense in a lot of cases, even if the vehicle's 10 years old. You know, you had it paid off, whatever it might be. Um, you got to make that decision. It still makes a lot of sense, especially when you consider what repair costs are. Yeah. Are there any policies that that people often don't know about, or they're they're like um, things that, through your experience, you you recognize as possibly? Obviously, we know the the the, ba- the basics are the vehicle, the car, uh, but. Um, Umbrella coverages, I'm sure. Yeah, big one. It's sad. A lot of people don't think about. Uh, and blood were going to be the two that I was going to mention. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and really because, you know, in the umbrella scenario, when you have an auto and a home policy, and whatever, you might have investment properties or some of those fun toys, the jet ski, the boat, and that kind of thing, that umbrella just, it, it basically gives you that overlying layer of liability protection at a million of plus. Um, you know, above your underlying limits. So if those underlying limits are exhausted in a significant incident, now you have, you know, this umbrella policy that you can go to. And I hear the horror stories. Um, you know, like let's say you have an auto accident with a doctor, you know, and now let's say it's a surgeon and his hands are, you know, damaged in that auto accident. He can't work um, or he can no longer operate. That loss of income. If you're out here carrying state minimum liability limits in Texas, that's 30,000 of bodily injury per person. I mean, the loss of future earnings alone is going to be, yeah. you know, 100 times. That. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's where like an umbrella policy can be very beneficial. So it's just about having that discussion with clients, um, you know, to make sure that, hey, like me, I've got pool. Um, we have company more often now than we ever did. Our kids' friends come over and sure win. Yeah. What if something happens in the pool? Yeah, what if that? What if something happens to one of those kids? Um, you know, knowing that if my half a million of underlying, you know, home insurance liability is exhausted, that I have that, you know, extra million dollars plus of liability protection. You know, especially for somebody who's in insurance, who people are going to assume, well, he must be well insured. Well, then I better be. And people will tell me all the time, like, look, why do I need a million dollar umbrella? I'm not a millionaire. I say, look. You don't have to be a millionaire to get sued like you are one. Shit, exactly. right? And the only way I can protect you, um, you know, is with having the appropriate liability coverage because the insurance company real quickly will write policy limits and they will wash their hands and walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you got that umbrella now, they got some skin in the game here. Where hey, you know, it's and the defense cost is always incumbent upon your carrier. People people think that million dollars also has to cover legal fees. No, those legal fees are outside of those limitations. Um, and, and that defense cost is incumbent upon your carrier. So it's really nice to have that, mm-hmm. that liability, uh, protection, you know, above those policies. Um, you know, especially when we have some ways. Yeah. Um, flood insurance is a good one too, by yep. the way. Um, because a lot of people assume if you're not in a high hazard flood zone or moderate to high hazard flood zone that you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like, if I do a seminar or something, I'll say, okay, raise your hand if you're in a flood zone. 
And most people won't raise their hand because they're not in a flood zone that requires them to purchase flood insurance. Right. But we all live in a flood zone. It's just that most of us live in flood zone X that doesn't require mandatory purchase of flood insurance. 100 year, 150 year. There it is, there. right? You know, um, and if you've got a loan on the home and you're in a moderate to high hazard area, you got to buy it, right? Um, and so, you know, but what they don't realize is, is even in preferred zone X, which most of us live in, that that's almost a third of all float claims happen in flood zone X, right? Um, and people just don't realize that it can happen. You ask those people in Houston, you know, during Hurricane Harvey, that were not in a flood zone, in a moderate to high hazard flood zone, but their homes flooded in Harvey, if they wish they had had that flood insurance. So we at least have to have the discussion, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with life insurance. Dad always said, look, if you want to have the worst feeling in the world, have a, a recent widow come walk into your office and ask you if their husband had life insurance and you can't in good conscience say that you ever talked about it. Mm -hmm. Right? So you at least have to have the discussion. You can't lead, you know, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink, right? Or, um, but if you never had the discussion, what a terrible feeling that would be to have somebody come in and say, please tell me you had some life insurance. So please tell me that she had some life insurance. So to me, not to be a drag, but that would be a terrible feeling, you know, to have somebody come in and I never had the discussion. So it's just kind of a part of our part. Sure. Well, I'm going to feel better. Yeah. Nobody this. Hey, <laughs> this is one I've been looking for. Yeah. So if this is Tequila Ocho, yeah. um, it's finished uh, in Widow Jane Barrel. I know we're drinking whiskey and bourbon right uh we're drinking tequila after that so that's kind of a little bit of a faux pas but it is finished in uh bourbon cast so uh i think it counts yeah it, it, absolutely a limited edition um i thought this would be a good one to open for you because i know you've been getting into tequila a little bit more yeah so um that stock the bar party i got a couple of good bottles of tequila and then yep. you know, i realized that um you know, Herodura is not necessarily where it's at. Um, it's this one is additive free, which is a big thing in yeah. the market right now. Um, yeah, with it being finished in Widow Jane, I think you'll find a crispness to it. Um, at I said crisp, the crispness, and on the crispness, I was like, oh, it's gonna taste like you know, I, I believe it all gin. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's gonna be good. What what were the we talked a lot of policies and stuff like that what were the first couple like days and weeks and months at your new uh agency what did it what was that like it had to feel like some days were like exhilarating some days were like because when you're in a captive carrier I'm, I'm assuming that it's just it's just like a machine you're just you know making calls and this and the other yeah. and you got people calling you you're making calls and and then you'd have, you know, referrals. You can rely on the name. on Exactly. Exactly. And so here you are, you're in a different stage of things. You're, yeah. you know, selling a product that's not familiar to Inspectious and Tyler. Yeah. And, and for sure. Probably doing some door knocking and, and probably beat a lot of meetings. Yeah. Mortgage professional, like we said, and stuff like that. So walk me through that. I mean, I, I kind of filled in some blanks, but yeah, I bet you there was a lot of other. Dude, I'll tell you, it was, um. It's like being on an island. Yeah. Really. I mean, because it was just me, you know. I mean, that was dad's retirement, that farmer's agency. And so he said, look, you know, you can't can't take anybody with you, right? That's right. my retirement. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, for me, um, I knew I had to, you know, jump with both feet in and try and get out there and hustle business. But, you know, you so what I did was I wanted to keep my expenses low. So I located inside of Keller Williams Realty in Tyler. 
And um, the team lead at that time gave me a, a one room office, which was more room than I even did. <laughs> but it was 150 bucks a month. And, uh, you know, the power bill and the phone was included. Wow, that. Um, oh, with the internet too. I mean, so I'm like, man, oh. I about keeping your overhead low, right? And keeping your expenses down. So this is a good story. I move into that um, office in January. And of course, nobody knows what the heck Newset is. So they have a table set up like right outside the door because their meeting room is like right across the hall from my office, which I thought was a super big advantage. And so I put some flyers out, just kind of talking about who Newset was and how we're different. Yeah. Um, put that flyer out on that table outside the door and I'm, I'm sitting in the office and I'm like, you know, going through, you know, a client list and I'm making phone calls and I'm sitting there in a quiet moment and, and these two folks come down the hallway and it's two realtors, mm. um, come down the hallway and they, I hear them stop and pick up the flyer and they're like, golly, why would you need that many carriers? And they throw the flyers back on the table. And I was like, oh man, that's a bad sign. I got to get out and tell this story, right? Right. Um, and then the next day they had a pizza party um, hosted by another insurance agent. While I was out of the office, right outside my door in that meeting space. And I was like, I'm in trouble. Like if I rely on this office for business, I'm, my doors are going to be shut very, very soon. And so that was, I mean, everything happens for a reason. That was the spark I needed. I was like, okay, I got to get out. I got to beat the street. Um, you know, and so... I, I went out, I told the story, I darkened all the doors, um, tried to sell on the point of difference, but really kind of where I started to see some success was I said, look, uh, just give me your toughest filing. Like, give me the one where like insurance is absolutely blowing the deal. Um, these are realtors and mortgage professionals, right? And it's like, hey, you know, if people are close on debt to income ratio, if the insurance is really high, it throws off their ratios. If it throws off their numbers, they can't afford to buy the house. Yeah, what a sorry. Like, hey, you know, get on your toughest file, right? And so they were like, all right, take this. And I'd go right back to the office. I'd knock that thing out and I'd call them and it'd be like, Hey, I'm thousand dollars less. You can just save this deal. And so it's like, okay, I'm like, cool. Like in this, so like two word, get down your eyes, tell you're greater than hundred percent. Right. You sit trying and spider network out from that. Okay, cool. Mortgage professional. A, who are your top realtors? Let me get a lunch with them, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay, so and I, I start seeing some success, but what I realized real quickly is I'm a firefighter. I'm just, I'm literally just putting out tough files. Right. And there's a lot of work that goes into putting out those tough files. Right. And it's not, uh, uh, you know, honestly, sometimes it's not the best business in the world. And so I'm like, Hey, do you think I'm really good? So then after I start like coaching your referral partners, I'm like, Hey, you think I'm really good on the tough deals? You shouldn't see how good I am on new construction. Right. right? <laughs> you know, the thing that's just really low risk and super good price. Um, but it was a hundred percent like being on an Island. Um, it was just me for like a year and a half uh, before I, I brought on my first team member. And, um, you know, now there's seven of us. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. I'm either a genius or an idiot. I hired three. A little bit of both. I might be. Jury's uh, <laughs> out like three new people um, in the midst of this hard market. Yeah. Um, so double, you know, the size of our agency. But my thought on it is, it's like now is the time where you – you know, you establish a good process where you ingrain good habits yeah. and inform the right approach on how to do this business the right way. Because if there's anything I can say about my dad is, is that, you know, he always did business the right way. It was always with customer first, yep. um, protection focus. And so I'm like, if I can teach people how to sell in this market um, and be the right kind of agent, when the sky's up and up and the market's soft, then they're going to be rainmakers. Right. Do you think that your business model is is 
is it is there's an advantage for this type of market with this bit with your business model? Yeah, I mean, you know, one when a carrier decides that they've had enough and they just want to pump the brakes on new business, um, that you have something to shift to. Sure. Um, you know, we had one carrier that we worked with that, you know, basically just said they just started kind of geo targeting different zip codes all over Texas. It wasn't just a East Texas thing and just geo targeted and said, we have too much density, too many policies in this area. If a storm comes through or a disaster happens, we're going to be overexposed in this area. So we just don't want any business here. And so they start non-renewing. Well, you know, it's nice to be able to go, Hey, yeah, they don't want your business anymore but I have four other carriers that do. That's awesome. Because it, it really seems like, and less so right now, but you know, every carrier goes through that rate cycle, whether it's a hard or a soft market. So when one carrier wants to jump off the ship, there's always another carrier who's like, get on the boat. You know? And so it's just nice to have, you know, it's nice to have those options. It's nice to have a lot of ships in the heart. Right. So we talked about captive agencies. Where do you, you and your dad had the foresight to say, hey, look, as technology expands, because I think that's your yeah. what that's what your yeah your 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 bread and butter is is let me utilize my eighty carriers to your advantage, so that way we know we can partner you best with you know the best fit yeah. which you made out even like with two policies that were presented to me yeah were carriers I hadn't even heard of right it's not that they're bad no nope. they're great carriers yeah. and I did my research on them but you're we're coming into a time period, a generation yep. where, you know, people are more educated through the internet. They're they're They've used different uh, companies yeah. to help them save money, but get more out of it. Right. Um, and so where do you, where do you see captive agencies? What y'all, you guys were kind of seeing them as where they were going to be boxed in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And, they, and I know, I know a number of my friends that went to college, got their degree, bought a book of business, and and I was presented a couple agencies. I didn't tell you that prior to this, but and and I just I couldn't see a path because there it was a, there was limitations. Right. Yeah, and I think um, you know for me, honestly, having the portfolio that we have is is a distinct advantage, but really taking some of these carriers out of the equation is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, it, it, it forces other carriers, um, you know, to look at things in a different perspective. Um, honestly, what has ended up happening with a lot of captive carriers, like I have Allstate in my portfolio. Right. They just fall under your, you know, that is. So like they have a exclusive agency channel where it's like the Allstate storefront, but then like they have an independent agency channel with Allstate as well. So like I'm writing Allstate as a part of this robust portfolio while the guy down the street that has the Allstate sign on his building just has Allstate. And so like, you know, if I'm that exclusive agent, I'm like, man, I'm having to compete against myself, yeah. you know, with an independent agency. Yeah. But, you know, Allstate wasn't going to be uh, outdone on that. I mean, even farmers gotten into that, that shred sphere. They've, they purchased the MetLife, you know, auto and home book of business. Um, so it's now written under foremost signature, uh, which was a, a, a farmer subsidiary that we had when, you know, we were as agency. So, um, you know, a lot of these nationwide was exclusive to nationwide agents for a long time, but even they started to open it up to independent agencies. And then eventually what happened with them is, is they just went fully independent. Now they're just an independent carrier, like a Safeco or a travelers or somebody like that. Um, and it's just available to all independent agents, no more exclusive. 
I honestly see that being the case with a lot of those. I think the big domino that'll be the last to fall if it ever does is State Farm. I mean, you know, State Farm is the largest carrier in the U.S. I mean, in Texas alone, they have 1.3 million policyholders. But I can tell you that for the captives, it's an interesting time because in this market, being the biggest is not the best. Right. Like you have the most exposure. So you have to make the biggest changes. Yeah. Um, and so, unfortunately, it seems like the changes that are being made, again, are on the back of the consumer. Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting. You know, it's just an interesting time right. to be in the business. But I, again, I think it gives us the ability to really establish a point of difference and say, hey, look, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense just to put all your eggs in one basket. You know, the most frustrating part for people when they shop insurance is having to go find a new person to have a relationship with. Right. But the advantage here is, is that you and I can have a relationship as client insurance advisor um, while having access. You have access to this portfolio of carriers to choose from so that you and I can have that relationship over the long term while maintaining some semblance of rate stability. Yeah. Almost like a, like an investment firm. Yeah. In, in some way. 100%. Yeah. Right? Except, you know, we're not just going to sell you that one product, you know, and we tell our realtor partners, like, you wouldn't show somebody one house. Right. You know, if you're a mortgage broker, you're not going to, you know, just look at one loan. Look at all the options. Um, and then you're going to advise your client. Yeah. Um, but you got to do it the right way. you got to do it from an educational standpoint. Educated client is a happy client. They know what they bought. They know what's covered and what's not. Yeah. Cool. Uh, really good. Yeah. You like it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yep. I mean, I'm just going to say this, though, because I'm, I'm new to whiskey, mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is just over the last three, four years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm new to whiskey and, and I'm, I finally able to start collecting some bottles. I'm really thrilled that we have such great, you know, admins and people that have a better, uh, sense of taste than I do, you know, in, in the East Texas whiskey club. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting these club picks. Everything's amazing. And I'm like, man, it's so good. And now you guys are getting into, into tequila. Yes. And, and I'm just starting to get my some traction on whiskey over my big stove. Yeah. Uh, when we start talking about a portfolio and investment, right? right? Like you got to diversify. Yeah. Like now I'm diversified, but I'm like, um, you know, I was the guy that was like thought crown and coat or crown and shirt sure. and like hung the moon. Yeah. Everybody starts somewhere uh, make others. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, you know, you're drinking Bud Light, Middle Light. Yeah. Uh, Michelob. Then the first IPA. And yeah, they're like, wait, that's how I got my, that's where I started. Okay, so I, I got it, I got a craft beer. I got into craft beer. I had a friend that was big time into craft, craft beer, and he got me into it and uh, tasted different things, mostly Texas products. Because wait, I mean, we, we're blessed with a lot of breweries. Yeah. And two here in town, right. Tyler. Yeah. Um, and one in 10, who I'm going to have him on. Uh, you're pretty bre brewing to you. I don't know how you've been. Oh, God, they're, well, they, they're they'll be there too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there is a lot left. They're at the K they're at the KOA in Canton. Um so all right. It, it's he's gonna be all on it. That'd be awesome. Uh it's in a couple couple episodes. Cool. Um so that'll be a good one to tune in uh to. And uh so I'm doing that and and then uh, a friend of mine for uh a milestone birthday bought me a bottle of Jack Daniels Sinatra. Okay, I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's uh, you know, I drink a lot of Jack Daniels more than I care chair. But, but then we all cut our teeth. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I loved it. I loved it. I could drink a lot of it. Uh, and uh, have an uncle who, who I'm thinking about tonight, who definitely he was he was my segue in Jack Daniels. But um, 
I buy, I get this bottle of Sinatra, I crack it, and it's like nothing I've ever tasted. It was like craft bourbon with and I was like, oh my god, I didn't know that something could taste this good by itself. Right. And uh, so exactly. I, uh, I, that causes me to go liquor store and look around. Now I'm not looking. That bottle is a hundred twenty dollar bottle, and thankfully uh, I have a good friend that that bought that for me. But I'm looking at things that I just couldn't pass it up. Yeah. And it gets me rolling. Then I start meeting people. Uh, I go to the Bourbon Society, which we have here, thankfully. Um, a great group of people. Yeah. And, um, and meet some people and and, uh, and then get hooked up with Daniel Ross, who he's mentored a lot of people in this area. And so um, I remember I got a ton of text messages uh, that I've I've looked at and been like, oh, I'm shameful for even saying that this product is so good and knowing his history and knowing how, how well he's into the business um, or how long he's been involved with whiskey and, and uh, picks and stuff like that is I'm just like shaking my head. But um, I remember like I got real motivated to want this one barrel because my first passion, my first love was E.H. Taylor. Yeah. That's like yeah. a great core. Yeah. So good. And it's, and that whenever I first got started, this was, you know, six years ago, like you, it was on the shelf. Like it's no big deal. Not like today. Yeah. And so I remember drinking it, especially in the fall. I just loved, it was just a small batch. It's fine. It had like a cinnamon like flavor to me as a rye strand in it. That's yeah, just so good. And so, um, I had a, I had a guy who I went to high school with that is a big E.H. Taylor fan. And him and I were messaging one day. He's like, man, you should, you should, See if you can get a, a barrel of Tumlin Dice. It, it's very similar. So, and I got to taste this first. So I, I, I find some connections, get the Tumlin Dice, because they weren't distributed to Texas at the time. And I taste it with a couple of my guys that are living in the neighborhood, and we're all just flabbergasted at how good it is. It's a high ride, 36% ride, but it, it's got a deep, deep, like, caramel, mm. like, chocolatey flavor to it at the end so we're all just doing it on of course we're still new to bourbon sure itself. so i'm like oh i got it we got it. so at the time i know the ad in i'm reaching out hey you know we need to get the you know da, da, da. and they're like go get it and i'm like well i don't know how to do that right so i started trying to connect some dots and and next thing you know the samples come in was oh my god call me yeah the funniest picture i think it and I, I send it like every couple of months or every twice a year maybe comes up because um, so I get the samples in and I don't know what to expect. Okay. So first set of samples come in and I'm excited. And I, I tell my wife like, Hey, I'm having guys over. They're driving in from yeah. Tyler to Lindale. It's a long drive. We need to feed them this and the other. So we've got this big board and just, you know, salami and prosciutto and crackers. And it's like this. Yeah. Probably the best, and it, it we'd only done like maybe three picks. We used to taste a whiskey, well, right. maybe four, met somewhere in Abilene. You know. Yeah, yeah, three. The the um, is this after the um the Jenny's bourbon? Yeah, it's right after. Okay. Yeah, so the cabin. Yeah. Uh, releases. Yeah, COVID. Yes. Um, and then I think there may have been one or two more more others, and so um, we're, it's fairly if if an aisle. Um, but uh, they come over. And, uh, and and they're like, oh my God, so they get the deal. And I had a pretty decent collection at that time. 
funded mostly by Well with Well. Yeah. So it's like you really it, like came strong. Oh yeah, like yeah. I I've got a personality that comes that way. And and not only that, but I had I had a mostly uh, an adult child, just one child. So yeah. I had a lot of time to spend on other activities. Sure. And so um, uh, they come over. Oh yeah, it's great, great. I bring the samples out, and they're like, "What in the world is this?" They're in mason jars, like fat, flat mason jars that were not sealed, metal tops. I mean, oh yeah. So we pour them, and it, they're ridiculously horrible. And, and I feel horrible about it. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Because I had hyped it up. Right. This is my first yeah. opportunity. And luckily, we got a second chance, and we got uh, we got the the first Tumbling Dice to Cadillac. Okay. Tumbling Dice was my first barrel to help contribute to the Whiskey Club. And, and it, there's been quite a few more, and and uh, it not, not all credit goes to me. A lot of other players were in it, especially when it comes to distribution, access, um, and uh, connecting the dots. Um Shannon Hood's been very yeah. intricate. Daniel's been very intricate. Jay Lane has too. Because a lot of people don't know how much he chases. He, he really does a lot for the Whiskey Club as far as barrel hunting. Give an eye. And there's been a couple of little key players that have been very involved in, in doing it. And so, um, and travel places. Um, there's We've got a barrel coming up that a couple of people in our club travel to Vegas to go do. Yeah. So you're like, Dropping everything. Right. I'm taking days off of work. Yeah. And everybody makes it sound so glamorous to go. Oh, I know. Like sample. And and not only that, but when, and we're kind of getting off the rails. We're not talking about insurance anymore. And oh, it's good. They're, they're in my channel now. Oh, this is great. So, so yeah, I could ask you a question. And listen, so, the question I was going to ask was like your your start in bourbon. So like this. Yeah. So so um. So you you let's say for a second you and I get picked to go do this picking yeah. in Vegas. And so now we're in Vegas. We got to get a hotel. We got to pay for a flight. Maybe we use points, this, that, and the other. Okay. We meet the rep. We, he maybe takes us out to lunch or whatever. That's great. Right. Yeah. And um, and then we do the sampling. Well, obviously, just took you to lunch and maybe stick into a show tonight. It, there's a pressure on you to pick something. Oh, right? for sure. And so, and, and it may not just be that in this arena. Let's just say it's in Memphis and you're you know, in Blue Note, or let's say you're um, you get ship samples. Let's say a bunch of barrels, four or five barrels, and it's a startup distillery, and you're trying, you're part of their startup, uh, or um, at the but they're not offering these barrels to multiple people at once. That's right. Or well, like like ASW, who um, when we did the Joker pick, you know they didn't distribute in Texas at that time, and and our pick. Helped, yeah. helped get them into Texas. And since then, they weren't even in Kentucky. And now, like, due to the fact that I knew a couple people, right? I just put them in together. Yep. Didn't expect anything. Yeah. And now they're in Kentucky. And and as kind of, you know, they, they kick me a bottle or two every now and again and uh, some, some releases. And I appreciate them for that. They don't have to do it. But I definitely am a big advocator for them because not only do they uh, – are they a great product? But they recognize effort. Yeah. They need somebody doing things, and that I, that's my passion. Yeah, my passion is getting with distributors, getting with uh, the people behind the scenes, the 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 sales people, the, right. the distillers. These are people that are really good at production. Yep, and they're not so good at like getting it to a 
to a group or getting into a new market. Yeah, yeah. Getting into the yeah. market. And from their point of view, it's one barrel. Right. Like, this is a lot of work for one barrel. Like you're 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 telling me what you don't like and you're telling me you want more samples or you're telling me I have to hold these three barrels that I could be releasing to the market. Right. And I'm holding for you. Exactly. Waiting for your feedback. So as time goes on, I become more and more, you know, sensitive to those things. And, and I, but at the same token, I understand that we have a market to serve. Right. Right. And so when, when a, one of our, when I'm part of a pick, whether it's a barrel that I've gotten together, like samples for, or I'm selected as a, a picker, um, there's, there's a, it's fun. There's no doubt. Yes. Okay. It's hot for sure. Okay. But there's a certain amount of pressure that's also involved because Abby, and as you know, or I don't know if you know or not, but the yield on these things are 180 to 250, sometimes more than that. Okay. Multiply that by how much you pay for it. Right. So let's say the average release for these system whisk clubs, $80. Yeah. 80 times 200, 16 grand. Yeah. Right. Correct. So, so your middle so money's got to pay for that. Well, true. Yeah. We, we all do. Right, as a group, we 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 can't make any money. We can't profit from sure. these releases. We're not distributors. The people don't realize what goes into you. Right. Well, the fun part is sample. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But once the sampling's done, the seriousness starts because yeah. let's just say, for the sake of saying, there's four of us, okay, and they send us a hundred milliliters, okay, and you get twenty five milliliters. Four of us all get twenty five milliliters, okay. Once the sampling's done. So we, we all get 25 milliliters of maybe three barrels. Now you're making a $16,000 decision. Right. And, and if you're part of the pick team, you're also representing yourself yep. and the club exactly. in a release. Yep. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been plenty of times where I've left the sampling going, I don't know if we made the right decision. Or I think, well, a lot of times we'll say, look, sleep on it. You know, we'll get yeah. votes in tomorrow or whatever. But a lot of times the whiskey changes because the distiller puts the barrel online and three months later or a month later or two months later, been in the barrel, it's been in maybe a different warehouse, whatever. There's a lot of factors. Then they're dumping. It's just, and then the distribution side, I don't even want to get involved in. That's <laughs> just It's a much longer discussion. Yeah. I mean, it, my favorite one was when we, we were trying to get the, the Fiddler to East Texas. And that remember we had the the ice storm, right? We had the ice storm there, yeah. so it was supposed to be here, at uh, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was the what the the Christmas fiddler, one of the two, and um, uh, it was supposed to be yeah at the beginning of December, and it happened. It comes in like the week before Christmas, so it's like the Christmas miracle. Yeah, but we didn't think we were going to get it, and we're like trying to pull people. Like, who do you work for? DHL? Okay, that's the carrier. Let's you know, could you pull some strings and. We're, and, and I remember that one in particular. They, so, um, no, it was a fiddler. So it leaves Atlanta, it goes to Tennessee, and then it goes to Alabama, and then it goes to Mississippi, and then it goes back up, goes back up to like Arkansas, and then it goes over to like New Mexico. It's like going everywhere. And I, uh, for where you write it. Right. And I remember uh, updating the, the admin team, which I'm not, I don't want to be an admin because those guys do it. A great job, super. Um, and I like to just pick barrels, yeah. And then you know, if they make a judgment call, like, hey, we're not going to do that, then I'm good. Yeah. Like I, I like working with the the the, the barrel team, uh, the barrel 
uh, stuff and they they do that part and i i have a lot of admiration for those folks that that admin that club because they they do a great job for sure uh they ever pick based on what they feel like the general population of club is going to enjoy because like i'm over here going like hey obviously everybody on the admin team everybody that's helping pick barrels like their their tastes are more refined than probably the majority of their group so do you guys ever go like hey this is going to be more palatable to the masses yeah. than what necessarily we might choose for ourselves. So we, um, that is the age-old question at yeah. every, almost every barrel pick. There it is. And I think um, there are, I'm not going to name names, but there are some admins to me that have really, really good palates. And there are some people that are not admins that have been part of my pick team, or pit, not my, but I mean the barrels that I've been involved in or gotten samples for or that the admins have allowed me, right. hey, I like this person to be on the team yeah. or that person, um, that I have a strong feeling about their palate. Right. And, and it's one thing to have a really refined palate, but it's also another thing that, to be able to speak out about it. Yeah. Because if you if you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, maybe you could be perceived the wrong way. Right. And and there may be some notion that maybe, well, wait a minute, I'll taste that. And so yeah. maybe... But I mean, if people, I have a strong feeling about a lot of people, there are a good amount of people in our area that have done enough barrel picks and certain ones really have uh, a conviction about what they taste and they have a trust and faith. And I, I appreciate right. that because uh, there are a lot of times that, and that I don't taste it. But they're willing to speak up. Correct. Yes. And so I think yeah, almost every, now it's not been that way for all of them. Like the old Forrester Old Blue, it was Everybody was like, "Ben, the one. This is the one. Yeah, the single best sample I've ever tasted at any of the barrel picks I've ever run. It was leaps and bounds. But, um, uh, the that is the number one question that you just asked was, we'd have three samples. Two of them are very unique. One of them is is like safe. Yep. Okay. Safe. They safe. Yeah. Hit. And this one, you know, is a crowd pleaser. These two are very neat. And so I think that part of my really strong admiration for the admins and the people that I that are decision makers on these picks is that they normally go with the unique picks. Right. And 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 the reason why is they have conviction about their the ability of the group. Yes. And so when when everything's leveled out. Typically, the crowd pleaser is the one that's ruled out, and there and because it's a barrel pick for a reason. Yeah, and if I want a shelf offering, then I get the shelf off. Go on down the street, right? And there's been plenty of crowd pleasers that I would have said a hundred comments would have been like, "This is amazing," and and then uh, uh, one example of that is doorknob. I don't know if you ever had a chance. It's a, yep, it's not for everybody, right? But for people that get it. They love it, right? Drank that drank it very quickly. It was more. I was gonna say, um, it's, it's, it's not. It wasn't a full size Bob. Right. <laughs> well, it had full size. We had Hoss. Oh, we had, we had a little, that was my mistake. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, like, I should have trusted. Sure, I should have trusted the palate that we had. It's it was yeah. such a unique yeah. core, and uh, and 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 I can tell you that it turned out. It a lot of times it, the barrel turns out better than what I remember because. You taste it, and two months later, now you're yes. you tasted a quarter of a leaf, right? And then 
if you cut the barrel comes out and you're like, holy crap, why didn't I get six of these? Or, yeah. you know, if, if it's available, you know, because we, we have a great group of a thousand people that, that trust the admins palettes. And hopefully this story kind of helps with that. Um, because it, yeah, me too. It's, um, it, if that's the one admiration I have for those folks. I was going to say, like, I don't think people realize how fortunate they are. You know, if you're into whiskey, like how great it is to have that group here sure. locally. Yep. Um, I almost don't want to advertise it like too much. <laughs> it's, like there are some where it's like, y'all are going to want this one. It's really good. And then it goes quick. Like you better yeah. set your timer. Yeah. Audio, yeah. Like the alarm on your phone. Yep. Well, like and not that it's to midnight here because like you ain't getting that bottle. Right. You're not Johnny on the slide. And there's a lot of barrels coming this way. Oh yeah. There's, there's, there's exclusive barrels that I love Daniel because he'll tell you. Yeah. Save your lunch money. Yes. All right. Yeah. Save your yep. lunch money. Yep. You're going to definitely want to save it because there's going to be some, some really exclusive opportunities. And then, um, I personally have a couple barrels that are like in the, in the, in the fire. Okay. Um, yeah, that are, uh, that are going to be, you know, big time winners. Okay. Uh, with the group. And, uh, this is so like, this yeah, it's, it's insider info. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to go into too much detail. Uh, Daniel actually listed out that, you know, we have another fiddler that right. is possible. Uh, we don't know what the time frame is because we've got a lot uh, going on. Uh, we've got a Buffalo trace coming. Yeah. Um, so that's, which that's is interesting to me. Like, so, you know, my parents drank Weller when yeah. I was growing up. Yep. It was nothing special. Yep. Right? Like it was it was cheap. Um, and and now it's like so hard to find. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's just interesting. Like, I'm sure Buffalo Trace once upon a time is like, hey, like that's not a big deal. But you don't realize what all originates out of that distillery. Right. Like that's the most amazing part to me is to like see all the different things that come from that distillery that aren't near yeah. Buffalo Trace. Yeah, then it's owned by Sazer. Right, and then they have their own products, right? So is it, it, it may be made by Buffalo Trace, it may not be, you know? Um, all right, so we went off on, I appreciate no answer because you know that's in my wheelhouse, so you got me stoked. I 100% um, like that was, we talked a little bit about it yeah, before yeah. we came on. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of back story about that and, 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 and you need to have appreciation. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's, there's, there's a lot of go-getters in the club that, that want to learn how to do things and, and, I've been lucky uh, on my first barrel. They just said, go get it. So I learned a lot through that. And uh, it was so, a terrible scene. Both, yeah. I mean, but the beautiful story. The second, so, the, so the funny story is the second sample, we sampled at uh, at Blake Bumgarner's house. It was like 100 degrees outside. So we're, so we're sampling like 120 uh, 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 proof bourbon. And we had fans all over us. But it was a great, I mean, it's like, you know that's what you live for when you're when you're hunting barrels and you're getting samples and you're working with that's those are stories that you love and yep. and then and then the part that really gets to me is when the bottles hit and then you get the feedback yeah and so you see somebody join it in their kitchen with a friend or family member or whatever and they're they're like my, I, I shared this with my uncle and he said it was the best whiskey he's ever had you know and that's the part that's like that's all the pain that I need. Oh, you know, I don't need anything else. I don't, you know, none of the admins get paid. I don't right. get paid to go chase barrels. I just love bringing different, unique offerings to the, yeah. to the, to like, to, I mean, yeah. honestly, like for me, you know, bourbon is only as good as the company. That oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And so like I, I scored a bottle of uh, E.H. Taylor small batch. Yeah. Um, you know, retail at Christmas time. 
Um, so New Year's Eve, you know, and, and, you know, my wife's, um, you know, Bailey and just not super into whiskey, but I bring that, um, to Christmas Eve and, you know, I pour some for like her uncle and her dad and, you know, I'm, I'm pouring it neat, you know, like sure. we wouldn't even have the ice cube in and that's not how they drink their whiskey. And they taste this and they are like, oh buddy. Yeah. But I mean, the VA stainless wall batch, right? Like, I'm like, okay, like I thought that was really good. And then I tasted the single barrel and I was like, oh, wait, um, this is also very, very good. So like, but introducing it to people that, you know, are like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, this is, this is way better than sure. I expected it to be. So All right, get it, get yeah. a sip or get enough for Cause we're going to get into your right. wheelhouse. Yeah. And uh, another wheelhouse here. Yeah. This is my favorite wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, this is, so we'll show your porn here. Okay. Um, Josh, you want any of this? Okay. Uh, this is Fiddler. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. It's uh, made by ASW. Uh, we've had this on the show a couple times. Here, you want to take them off? Um, and, uh, you know, they're they're one that, man, I just I just love what's going on. Yeah, they do a great job. Um, the only barrel that I have at my house of the barrels that I've uh, chased or gotten, however you want to use it, is at my house. Oh, I've used the Fiddler. Yeah, the first fiddler, a joker. That barrel's at my house because, you know, I worked pretty hard on that. I was saying. And uh, I had all the employees sign it, and then I signed it when it arrived. That's super Which cool. is pretty cool. Yeah, I still have it at my house. Um, all right. Yep. You've been on a bunch of board of directors. You've been on a bunch of boards. Yeah. Um, you're currently on two? Currently on two. Two. Okay, so uh, you're my rule of two. But yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Um my wife's like, please. <laughs> right. So, um, so uh, White House ISD, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. move that to not, like, not, not the school board, but the Education Foundation. Okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah. 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 So, um, but I think probably the one that we'll start with, and, I, and I've been on other, right, another board before, which is Azaway. Right. Um, Boys Ranch, uh, Children's Services, Foster and Adoption Services. Azaway is an amazing organization. Um, just to have a rule, you got to roll off every once in a while. So rolled off in January. Right. Um, but it, it, you know, really, uh, next step was my first board. So, uh, the story I'll tell is, is that, um, I applied for leadership Tyler because I, I really, I, a part of what they do is, is introduce you to nonprofits. Right. And, and listen, at this point, you know, where I'm looking at that, like I'm two years in, my goose success story is, is in three and a half years, I grew a larger book of business than my dad had built in 28 farmers. I mean, they put that on YouTube and they sold a bunch of franchises from it. Right. Uh, because it's that choice model and the way I did it. Right. And so I felt incredibly blessed by the community. And, and I was like, how do I give back? Right. And I wanted to give back through, you know, nonprofit or board service, right. Volunteering, these kind of things. Like, how do I give back? How do I, other than just to write a check, you know what I mean? Like, how do I get involved? And so I applied for leadership, Tyler. I didn't get selected. Um, but a buddy of mine, like a couple months later um, in November was like, hey, there's this really cool organization. I'm doing some media for them. Um, it's, it's Next Step Community Solutions. They do youth mental health and, and substance abuse counseling. And um, they're doing a cold turkey fund. Uh, they need sponsors, you know, like I think it's really cool. You should check it out. Um, do a sponsorship, but come down and, you know, see what it's about. And so I did and um, met several of the people, executive director at the time, and met several of the people that were involved with it. Um, I have a cousin 
um, who I was really close to growing up that passed away, um, you know, from an overdose, um, on pills. And so, you know, really for me, like that was something like mental health, substance abuse, those kind of things, unfortunately it takes tragedies in this country for us to pay attention to things yeah. having to do with our mental health. And so I think everybody has been really clued into that for a while now. And, and so I was just like, man, this is something that's close to my heart. It seemed like a really cool organization. And, and so I wanted to know more about it. They're like, well, listen, we're looking for board members. Let's go to lunch. And so I sat down with them and they kind of told that story, you know, on how they started, um, but what their, what their tent poles were. Right. Um, so what next step community solutions, next step community solutions does is they provide, um, mental health and substance abuse counseling on school campuses. Um, they have their, uh, prevention services as well through their community coalitions, um, but what's really neat is, is that they have like, you know, licensed professional counselors. So it's kind of like two tracks that you go into um, when you're a counselor. You go kind of educational side or that, that mental health, that substance abuse side of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so school counselors are kind of being tasked with intervening on behalf of the kids that, you know, are struggling with other issues, right? Like the mental health side and not necessarily, you know, focused on the education side of it. So what Next Step uh, does is we put counselors on school campuses. Yeah. Um, and and I've actually got some stats, and I'll kind of share that about Next Step, and I think it's really neat. Um, but they do it free of charge to the kids and the parents, right? And they do it on school campus, so it's a minimal interruption to the school day. Right. Um, but we know, like, we've been able to calculate that we have saved lives, we've improved attendance, um, we've improved outcomes. The most disheartening thing for me was to learn how early we needed to enter eat. Like, like, it, like we're talking about on the elementary level. Yeah. Um, and that was just, you know, I, I've got my blighters onto the world, so to speak, you know, that like we would have to like get involved, you know, with kids that young, but it is unfortunate is yeah. kind of where we're at as a society. Like, but what we have figured out is, is that the earlier we intervene, um, on behalf of the child, the better their trajectory is. Yeah. Right. Like you can improve those outcomes vastly if you can get them the tools to equip um, to deal with what they're dealing with at home, um, or out of the world or at school. Um, so it's just super, super neat. And then the coalition, the prevention part of it is also amazing. Um, you know, it's just an organization that I've, I've been on that board for eight years. I'm super passionate about it. Um, the sky is the limit, you know, that organization has grown tremendously, but we're, we're barely scratching the surface. Um, on that one, there's such a need for it and nobody's really doing it the exact way that we're doing it. Um, but it's just, it's invigorating to me, you know, to be involved with an organization like that, um, that is really filling this void that we have. Um, and I think, you know, the youth of today are really clued into being open to talking about their mental health, really? um, which I think is great, right? Like my parents' generation and even my generation, it's just not as, as prolific, you know, talking about how we're feeling and, and, and telling our friends that we need help. Um, but one program that Next Step has that I think is super awesome is Sources of Strength. And so what Sources of Strength is, is that it's a peer-led program. It's different when you and I have a conversation sure. with a kid than it is when their friend yeah. has a conversation with them. So it's a peer-led organization where these kids want to get involved um, and it just helps them identify and direct, um, you know, their, their, their fellow students and their friends to getting the health and the care that they need. Right. Um, we've also got a, um, mental health first aid program, 
Um, you know, Women's Fund of Smith County has been incredible. They've given us uh, two different awards for grants where we were able to be in Smith County and expand these programs with that. Mental Health First Aid, it teaches those that interact with kids on a regular basis, again, how to identify those that are in need of help yeah. and not try and counsel them, but actually direct them to care um, and how to do that. And I think it's just um, amazing. Yeah, other than the wards, I mean, how how is the project funded? Um, so mostly for grants. Yeah. Um, the part that you know we really need to to focus on in growth is community funding. Yeah, because you get you get grants, you get state funding, right? I mean, I think unfortunately, again, it takes tragedies in this country for states and and federal government to decide to fund things that can help address that. So we do get you know those kind of that kind of funding. Um, but you know, things change over time. Like, you know, they could pull, you know, that grant or pull that funding. Yeah. And if you don't have community funding, that's a part of that, you can't help fill that void. And, and so that's the part that right now, you know, with that particular organization that I'm really passionate about is, is again, kind of like what you said, telling the story. Um, because I think everybody's hyper aware of it right now, unfortunately, you know, with the things that have happened in our schools. And with our kiddos um and to know that there is an organization out there that can serve um an organization that can again help change the trajectory um for kids and so kids have been what i've been passionate about i'm a father of three a wife and i have two girls um and so anything that has to do with that like just absolutely yeah. touches my heart sure um and so Azelway was a natural fit for me um next step also um has been a very natural fit for me can I give some stats? Yeah, sure. Uh, so next step, love it. Pull the phone out. Love stats. Like, uh, love stats. Like faux pas um, on a podcast or not. But uh, Brandon Davidson is the executive director of okay. Next Step. Um, really funny guy. Uh, Smith County. Yeah. It, like, it's Smith County, but we're, we're, we're in multiple counties. Okay, okay. Yeah, we've grown. Like, we get some funding from the women's fund of Smith County that's earmarked for Smith County. Um, but but we're we're all over right. um, at this point. I think it's just, it's, is it? Let me get, let me just make sure that I understand. Sure. Is it, and I don't, I'm just liking into it. Is it similar to someone maybe going into a jail and having a group of guys that they, they give testimony to? Is it similar to that? In some ways, it's not necessarily um, religion-based. No, no, no. But well, I mean, you know, like, is there one person that comes into the school? Yes. And then the counselor says, I've got these six hundred percent that I need. Yeah. I've identified what a teacher and then, uh, that person that goes in there yeah. as a subject matter expert. Yes, and tell them and then and then meanwhile, while they're there, yeah. they identify other peer leaders or that maybe want to step forward and that want to take on that. Yeah, say straight the core horses is horses. Yeah, yes, and so they're doing that. So they're 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 holding a tor couple different porches on all they're here. And then maybe they don't do it just at that right place. They go in another. They go to other schools. Yeah, hey, we're just work with counselors. Yes, and, you know what's what's really neat is is that yes, that counselor establishes a relationship with that school and with the student body of that school. Right. And so what's really cool is is seeing where what happens is is that when a kid gets care and that kid improves, that kid becomes a mouthpiece. Right. That kid is obviously sure. going to tell their questions, especially the ones that they know that share some of their struggles. Right. Hey, you need to go talk to sons. Right. Like they really helped me. They, they gave me some tools. They gave me some coping, things like that, that like really are valuable. 
right um for me and so sorry is it, how did you know that right no it's great i just want to make sure that people knew like the break they listen sound like to be yeah, i just want to make absolutely sure and they are in uh probation and that's awesome as well yeah it's awesome so this school year um thousand school-age students with individual counseling at 60 school campuses wow um suicide prevention on 40 campuses impacting 15,000 6th to 12th graders um 200 students through juvenile probation and alternative school programs 60 youth that participate in the youth yoga lab uh which is a new a new program that we've got yeah. um that we we're able to onboard speaking of that because i know you kind of talked about hey i can drop some events that are coming up yeah uh, sure, sure rooftop yoga um, so next steps partnering with be free yoga to host a free community yoga event. This is September 29th. Okay. 6 30 PM on the roof of the parking garage downtown Tyler. Oh, sweet. Yep. So hopefully the weather's cool Yeah, for yeah. that. Right. Um, DEA take back. So that's another thing that we've done is, is we had like the, the shop program at different schools build right. these, these boxes. Yeah. Um, and we put them, you know, at police departments and pharmacies and things like that with people, instead of. When you're done with the medication, especially like a narcotic or something like that, you know, this is where kids are finding their drugs, right? In a lot of cases. And so uh, it becomes kind of a gateway for them is leaving it in your medicine cabinet. Now we're providing, you know, parents, um, we're walking out, you know, yeah, a place to go deposit that. So the DEA take back, that's on October 28th, tended to various locations. Okay. Uh, ETXRX.com has those locations. Okay. Um, but they're partnering with law enforcement in nine counties mm. on that. And they're going to collect and destroy unused, unwanted prescription drugs. Last year, we collected over 2,000 pounds of prescription drugs in those uh, drop boxes. It's an incredible amount. Hell, if you think about how many pillways, right? So like 2,000 pounds of drugs off the street, prescription drugs off the street that are now no longer at somebody's fingertips in the medicine cabinet. Well, um, I think we all know Tyler Gibbs is a big thing. That's November 28th all day. You can donate to Next Step um, to provide mental health services for students in Smith County um, at tylergibbs.org. Yeah, we'll, we'll tag a couple. Yeah, it was uh, maybe some of the stuff. And, and maybe tag that. Um, yeah, your URL yep. for you, so that way uh, when we post the podcast, that'd be awesome. Um, that that way people can just click on it. Yeah, we've done it in the past. Um, shout outs, shout outs, man. <laughs> Here's a shout out opportunity. All right. Yep. So um, you've talked a lot about your dad, so obviously sure. he was a huge impact yeah. on you. Uh, My greatest man. Your first employee He's still with you. Uh, no, you know, okay. people just fall out of love with it. No, I, I get it. Like they say, you do it for five years, you'll do it forever. Right. Um, so Jess has been with me the longest. Jess Martin in my office has yeah. been with me five years. Right. Um, so it's forever now, Jess. And yeah, five like, years, you, you meet the mark, uh, right? But, you know, Jess is incredible. Um, he's from the Midwest, so he's got all the Jessisms. Um, he's from South Dakota. Right. So like he says, Toyota. You know, things like that. I, you know, I mean, just got that, that charm to him. Yeah. Um, People down here just eat that up. So everybody loves Jess. Um, got Keith Gordon in my office. I know he's been with me three years. He's incredible. He's former military, so he's definitely, you know, he's got that servant leadership. Yep. Um, he's been instrumental with me bringing on, you know, three new people um, taking on that leadership role. Right. Um, definitely some some strong future, you know, for Keith in the business. And he's done that at the detriment of his own production. Right. Um, you know, it just tells you where Keith's heart is. Sure. Um, Michael Ashdow has been with me two years. He's actually at our corporate office this week, uh, uh getting a baptism by fire. So that's commercial insurance. So like he's getting a lot of cool. He's right now. Like 
Goose is cool because like they won't just let you start writing a you know, product like commercial insurance willy-nilly, right? Like they require you to be at a certain point in your career and to establish yourself enough to go like, hey, commercial insurance is a whole nother animal. Right. Um, and our portfolio of commercial is not super robust, but like it, there's still a lot of opportunity for mistakes in commercial insurance. So he's he's at commercial training this week. Uh, Ashdown's an awesome guy. I have to call him Ashdown now uh, because we have another mic. Uh, so my brother-in-law works with us now. Oh, um, had his wife, Chelsea. Uh, they're pregnant. So I got him out of the oil field. He's super salt of the earth kind of guy. Right on the phone. Loves to talk to people. Um, just, you know, has that heart for it. You know, just going to tell you exactly how it is. And um, and so Michael uh, Stroud, he's been, he's been great. Um, Lance Sellers. Um, was actually the first guy, he's been with me four months now. Um, first one that I've ever hired with insurance experience. You know, because I don't want to untrain bad habits. No, true. Right. Um, but when I met with Lance, uh, Lance and I, people kept telling us we should work with each other, right? And so finally we just got together and was like, Hey, what's this about? And and so I could just tell instantly with Lance that like his heart was in the right place. Yeah. Um, he just needed a portfolio to be successful. Um, and Lance hit the ground running, he's incredible. Um, we have our first bilingual producer. Yeah. Um, also, the lady in the office. Oh, man. Um, Sarah, you're amazing. Yeah. Um, stay got to put up with a lot. Sarah Zarate, Sarah Galvan. Um, she is uh, she's beautiful. She's amazing. She's bilingual. Yep. Um, like a like a goose to water. Um, she's taken to it, and um, and she's going to be incredible and, and open up another market for us. Um, sure. We have to be able to serve you know, the community that we serve appropriately. And, and she definitely helps us do that. Um, my mom's been in real estate for 30 plus years in Tyler. Really? Uh, and so that family and dad were like their own little power couple, right? Like dad did the insurance, mom did real estate. What was really funny was, is when I was moving back to Tyler, I actually asked her, I said, should I do real estate? Like, I think I'd be really good at it. Or should I do insurance? And, and she said, look, if you want to have a wife and a line, you need to do insurance like your dad. Because it's more nine to five than real estate is. Little did she know that I would be so involved in the real estate community that I would be doing, I would be doing real estate hours for insurance money. Um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But I think I'd be good at both of them. Um, but mom's been instrumental. Um, you know, my parents really just showed me the right way to do business, and it was always, hey, um, again, you begin with the end in mind in that you are serving your community, serve your community with part. Yeah. And, um, and so that's always the approach that we've taken. Um, love my parents for that. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people in business that, um, have been incredible, you know, um, sort of a mentor for my, of mine. Um, one of my dear friends, Chris Buford, his dad, Jeff Buford, um, you know, Buford television, Buford media degree. Um, just watching how you can scale something by doing it the right way um, and not being the smartest person in the room, right? right? You surround yourself with people that are good at things that you're not good at, um, that are afraid to speak up and, and you know, maybe a little smarter than you. Yeah. And, um, and so that's been, you know, helpful for me in, in growing the kind of team that I have. Oops. Is that all right? Yeah. Look okay. at... 
<laughs> Do we burn it somehow? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, totally fine. We're at uh, an hour 44. Oh, wow. shoot. I knew we were over. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I talked a lot. You you just, you take the golden nuggets out of that. And, uh, <laughs> well, cool, man. Look, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, I, knew, I knew we would go over because you got a lot to um, unpack, right? A lot of great information. I hope everybody's awake. Yeah, I spoil like yeah. No, insurance isn't the sexiest subject, right? But if you do it right, it'll be a lot. Of fun. Yeah, I mean, if, when I was making my note card for this one, it, I was like, uh, "There's gonna be a lot of content. Uh, there's a lot to to understand, and there's a lot of dynamic to you, man. You got a lot things that are happening that are really positive, yeah. and you know, you know, a lot to be blessed about. For sure. Um, then we got into barrel picking, yeah, and all that kind of stuff, which, awesome. which is fun for you to hear and me yep. to talk about. Um, can I give a wing shout out before yep. we sure. we cut it off altogether? So the White House ISD Education Foundation. Um, if you are a White House uh, educator, um, we're gonna give money away. Oh, like really cool to me on the other side of it. Like you know, boards are so much about like fundraising and that kind of thing. Like with the White House Education Foundation, like obviously we raise money, but we also get to give grants to teachers to fund programs that they think are like really cool and valuable for kids. You know, whether it be math or science or reading things like that, living chess sets. Cool stuff like that, right? Yeah. Those grants are due next week. Yeah. And then we're going to go, we're going to get on a bus and we're going to go give oh, those grants so away yeah. at the end of this month. And it's going to be amazing. So like shout out White House ISD Education Foundation. If you're a teacher, um, it's not as hard as you think. Write that grant uh, because we have a lot of money to give away. Yeah. You need to get them to, to like and follow. Like and follow. Yeah. Spirit. Well, and you're going to you're gonna have to do that. You're going to have you're gonna have to help us out. Here we are, man. All right. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. Really, I really appreciate it. A lot of good content. I loved it. It was a great time. Always is. Um, Josh and I, this is our fifth one. This is probably the most content we've unpacked, but it's really good. It's great content. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, our, our next episode, we're going to learn about uh, solar panels. So yeah. it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, nine times out of 10, when you learn about that, it's going to be sales rep right in front of you. So we're going to take the stress off. We're going to have some some professionals here that are going to talk about that and looking forward to it. Uh, thanks. Cheers. Cheers.